0: Hello, my name is Dwayne Spearman and I am the founder of Directional Ministries located here in Lynchburg, Virginia. This is a teaching ministry that is called to encourage, disciple, and challenge the people of God. Good morning guys. Hope y'all doing well today. Last time we were together, I had some internet problems uh, through our book of Acts and I was unable to get past verse 11. And I know uh, all of us are in our houses right now, uh, social distancing. Uh, Janet and I are at home. Uh, my job is re- as a recruiter. I'm not able to travel, all my work is from home. Our businesses here in Lynchburg are shut down. Uh, so I thought, you know, we're spending a lot of time at home, so why not study the Bible together? So instead of wait Sunday to Sunday, I'll just record as as I can. And uh, we can just keep going through the book of Acts or wherever the Lord leads us together during this time. So I'm praying for you and for your family. I hope that you're doing well and uh, you'll use this time just to grow closer to the Lord. You know, uh, we talked about how we grow from faith to faith and uh, we are certainly being stretched in our faith right now. So, So let's go ahead and pick up in Acts. Um, last time we were together, we got down to verse number 11. So let's just read the text, and uh, then we'll pick up our study. Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. Who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, ask an alms, And Peter fastened his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and his ankle bones received strength. And he leaped up, stood and walked, and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God, and they knew that it was he which set for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened unto him. And then verse 11, and as the lame man which was healed held Peter and John, all the people came together unto them in the porch that is called Solomon's Greatly Wondering. So let's just say a word of prayer. Father, we love you. Ask that you'd go before us today. You'd open our eyes to see and our ears to hear and our hearts to understand the things that you have for us. Be with each of our families. Be with uh, our nation as we struggle through this. And Father, I just pray that uh, through this you would draw us all closer to you in Jesus' name. Amen. So we see there in verses 9 through 11, the miracle, as intended, brought amazement to the people and built what I would call a ready-to-listen crowd for Peter's second sermon. And understand, the purpose of the sign gifts was to be a sign that the kingdom was coming, to be a sign that God was about to fulfill his promises to the nation of Israel. Um, So uh, then you look in verse number 12, and when Peter saw it, he entered into the temple. Ye men of Israel, why marvel ye at this? Or why look ye so earnestly on us, as though by our own power and holiness we have made this man to walk? So now Peter is following up the message addressing the men of Israel. So the, the, the miraculous would happen, it would draw a crowd, and then the apostles would use that as, as a springboard to be able to present the gospel of the kingdom to the crowd. Um, he immediately makes sure that they understand that none of what had just happened was their own doing. In other words, they were just merely tools. Um, Just like today, we have to view ourselves as nothing more than tools of the Lord. It's not our doing. It's not by our strength. It's just the Lord working through us. And that's what Peter wanted to make sure that they understood. Now, the purpose of the Holy Spirit uh, that was given... On the day of Pentecost was not primarily to empower the apostles to preach the gospel of the kingdom, but to also give them the ability to prove their apostolic authority. Um, that's what the that's what the power of the Holy Spirit, that dudumus, that dynamite, that was given to them on the day of Pentecost, not only to empower them to preach it, but empower them also to prove their apostolic authority by signs wonders and miracles now in the book of mark in mark chapter number 16 verses 14 through 18 there's a very controversial section of scripture in your bibles and if you look in your bibles almost almost irregardless of which bible you have if it's a study bible and it has notes in it which um You know, those can, you know, when I was younger in Bible college, I was told, make sure, no matter what study Bible you use, that you read from the top down, not from the bottom up. Because the top part is inspired. The bottom part is not. (laughs) The notes are not inspired, okay? But in a lot of study Bibles, those notes will say, this portion of Scripture is not in the better manuscripts. So why do you think people struggle so much with this portion of Scripture? Let me read it to you. After he appeared unto them, unto the eleven, in Mark sixteen fourteen, as they sat at meat, and upbraided them with their with their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they believed not them which had seen him after he had risen. Uh, and of course, he's referring to after he rose from the dead, and the two ran back, and the two ladies ran back and said, "We've seen him," and they didn't believe. Okay, and he said to them, "Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature." Now, this is a portion of what we're familiar with—the Great Commission at the end of Matthew: um, "Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature." Now the problem here, and the, the reason people struggle with this portion of scripture, is they think that gospel right there is the same gospel of death, burial, and resurrection that you and I preach today. It's not. It's the gospel of the kingdom. And the gospel of the kingdom, after the filling of the Holy Spirit, they would have the ability to proclaim that gospel, but also to use signs, wonders, and miracles. Uh, as sign gifts, that the kingdom was indeed legitimately being offered and it was proving also their apostolic authority. That's what this portion of scripture is about. The reason people don't want to see this portion of scripture in the Bible and they struggle with it and they say it's not in the better manuscripts is because they're not rightly dividing. Because he goes on to say, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. And he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow all that believe. And of course, this is obviously pointing to Pentecost. In my name they will cast out devils. They will speak with new tongues. uh, They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. And they shall lay hands on the sick, which is exactly what they had just done. And they shall recover. So the reason people struggle with Mark 16:14 through 18 being in our Bibles, is because they're not rightly dividing. Um, this was for the apostles. This was for the nation of Israel, not for the church. Um, now, of course, those on the opposite side of the pendulum will take these signed gifts, and of course, Pentecostalism and things like that are erroneously birthed out of it as well. Either way, to whatever extreme, it's not right division. Um, and then notice in verse number 13, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and of Jacob and the God of our fathers has glorified his son, Jesus, whom ye delivered up. And again, he's still accusing the nation of Israel, crucifying the Lord. The, the church is never accused of this. Why? Because the church did not crucify Jesus. Okay. We reap the benefits of that crucifixion under, you know, the gospel of grace. But we are not the ones that put Jesus on the cross. Therefore we are never accused of doing so. Whom ye delivered up and denied him in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. Notice that he's still addressing the nation of Israel. Here he makes his second point. That this same God has glorified his son Jesus. Now this is not a good news situation. He's saying you guys have killed the son of of God and in the Gospels he's always referred to son of God son of man that's called theologically the hypostatic Union Okay, 100% God 100% man now I've heard people say no he was half God half man no he was all God all man hypostatic union okay that's good theology he was all God all man at all times okay um so this is bad news because Excuse me. They are guilty of killing their own long-awaited Messiah, and that is the accusation that Peter is bringing against them, just like he did in his first sermon. Okay, and then in verse fourteen, but ye denied the Holy One and the Just, and desired a murder to be granted unto you, and killed the Prince of Life, whom God hath raised from the dead, whereof we are witnesses. So the bad news continues. Not only had they denied the Holy One, but also desired a murderer to be granted to them in his place. Not good. Now when did this happen? Matthew chapter number 27. You'll remember in Matthew 27, um, it says... Uh, In verse number 15, now at the the feast, the governor was wont to release unto the people a prisoner whom they would, you know, one that they wanted, and they had then a notable prisoner by the name of Barabbas. Therefore, when they were gathered together, Pilate said unto them, Whom will ye that I release unto you, Barabbas or Jesus, which is called Christ? For he knew that for envy they had delivered him. Pilate wasn't a dumb man. He knew that Jesus hadn't committed anything that was worthy of a capital, that was worthy of death. Okay, uh, He knew it was for envy that the religious leaders were pushing the crowd to do this. He wasn't blind either. And when he was sat down on the judgment seat, his wife came to him. And she said, have nothing to do with this man, for I've suffered many things this day in a dream because of him. In other words, she says, You better be careful with this man. Something special is going on here. <clears throat> but the chief priests and the elders persuaded the multitude that they should ask Barabbas and destroy Jesus. See how manip- easily manipulated the multitude is? Or are? <laughs> um, that's a sermon for a different day. Um, you know, just there's, I have found in this life, there's very few leaders. Uh, most people are just followers. Um, you know, most people that I end up talking to or getting in theological debates, which I don't waste my time much with anymore because I'm not interested in arguing with the ignorance. Uh, if you're not willing to go to the word of God and study it for yourself and stare instead of parakeeting to me, something that somebody else told you, I really don't care. You know, I really don't care what you have to say because you're not talking to me. Um, you're just saying what somebody else told you, you know, I mean, you're an idiot. You know, go to the Word of God and study it for yourself. Why don't you form your own opinion, and the only way you can form your own opinion is to dig into the Word of God for yourself. Like Dr. Randy White says, you need to learn how to question the assumptions. You know, we got a lot of things that we assume, and you all know the word assume, right? Um, we assume a lot of things, but we don't know a lot of things. We don't uh, we don't know it intimately, um, like we should. You need to be a, stud, a student of the word of God, rightly dividing, separating truth from truth. And until you do that, uh, anything you give is merely an opinion and someone else's uh, thought, not your own. But the chief priests persuaded the multitude that they should ask Barabbas and destroy Jesus. And the governor answered and said unto them, Whether of the twain will ye that I release unto you? And they said, Barabbas. And Pilate saith unto them, What shall I do them with Jesus, which is called the Christ? And they all said unto him, Let him be crucified. And the governor said, Why? What evil hath he done? But they cried out the more, saying, Let him be crucified. So again, Peter here in in, uh, Acts chapter number 3, and verse 14, But ye denied the Holy One and the just, and desired a murder to be granted unto you, and you killed the prince of life, whom God hath raised from the dead, whereof we are all witnesses. So in other words, he said, we have all seen that God has raised him from the dead. Not only us, um, but many others, many others are eyewitnesses to the fact that the one that you killed, the holy and the just one, the prince of life has risen from the dead. And then in verse 16, and his name and his name, through faith in his name, hath made this man strong whom ye see and know. Yea, the faith which is by him hath given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. So this is the first time that faith is mentioned in the book of Acts. However, it has nothing to do with the saving faith that you and I would think of as faith. Uh, it was only a faith in his name. That this man was healed. He was. It was not a faith in the death, burial, and the resurrection. It was a faith in his name. Um, and we'll see later. We'll see a saving faith, but it's not going to be mentioned until Acts chapter number thirteen, by the apostle Paul, at Antioch, which is where they were first called Christians. So understand there. There are. There is no church doctrine in the book of Acts. You know. So don't. You know, I'm not gonna preach any more sermons called We Need to Get Back to Acts. No, we don't need to get back to Acts <laughs> because the body of Christ is not here. Okay, this is the kingdom church. This is the nation of Israel. That these these people are responding to the gospel of the kingdom, which is repent and be baptized. Okay, we don't preach that, or at least we're not supposed to preach that today, but we do. Um, I would say most churches preach that today. They'll say Repent and be baptized so that you can be saved, but it's not of works, lest any man should boast. Yeah, but you just told me I had to repent and be baptized, and then you turn around and tell me it's by faith and it's not of works. But I got to do these two things, right? You know, what we've done is we've taken the kingdom gospel and the gospel of grace and we've shoved them together, and the apostle Paul warned in Galatians, which is no gospel at all, we've perverted the gospel. You can add grace to the law, but you cannot add law to grace, or you've thwarted the gospel of grace by adding law to it, and that's what we've done today. Read Galatians; it talks all about it. All right, well, that's about 15 minutes. So next time we get together, which will probably be tomorrow, hey, we're all locked up together, so <laughs> might as well study the Word of God. If you have questions or you want to communicate, please, I'm here, I'm available, I'm on. I post this on. Facebook, Directional Ministries, and then I place it on my personal blog with the notes, uh, DwayneSpearman.org, And then i also upload it to SoundCloud if you want to do just the audio version of this. All right. Well, God bless you guys. Remember that God loves you, wants the best for you, and he's working all things out for your good.